What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. All right. Good morning, everyone. Hey, y'all are awake in this service. You're awake, so I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Wendy Cross, and I'll just start out by saying this. I'm not qualified to be doing this (laughs) right now. I'm not qualified to be preaching or teaching from the pulpit. However, I do know that I'm chosen. And I do know that when God chooses us, he can do whatever he wants in and through us if we're willing and if we say yes. So bear with me today as I really just share with you um, some testimony and some story about how God chose our family, and the things he's done in and through it, and the ways we've been able to to be an encouragement to other believers, um, to believe that God chooses each of us, has a purpose for each of us, and redeems each of us. And while we're here, we've got stuff to do for Jesus, okay? So I'm going to start by sharing this little video with you. Um, My husband and I have six children. We have five boys and one girl. We have two adopted and four bio, okay? Now we have two daughter-in-laws and three grandbabies already. So I'm already a grandma. It's so fun. I just spoil them and give them back. I love it. Um, But what I want to say about our family is that our five boys are very competitive. I'm not sure who they get it from. Their dad is um, an ex-college football player, and I'm an ex-competitive cheerleader. So I don't know where they get the competition from. But they're incredibly competitive. And so I'm going to show you 4th of July, just a little clip of my kids and then my nieces and nephews real quick. And I'll come back. Okay, did you guys see me in that video? (laughs) Let me show you where I was. Go ahead to the next slide. Yeah, that's me. Because when we do family games, especially athletic ones, and we do captains, nobody chooses me. I know. I'm the last one chosen. So have any of you ever felt this way, or is it just me? Yeah. So the last one chosen to feel that way all the time is no fun. And it really wants you, it it makes you not want to play the game, right? Like if I'm just going to do the videography, I'm going to watch the babies. That's my new excuse. I'm going to do all the things to not have to stand so that my name is called last. Because I don't like to not be chosen. But this is what I want to tell you about being in the family of God. We are never left on the sidelines. Each and every single one of us are chosen. And this is what I want you to be encouraged with today. If you're in this place, this is is a promise to you. God has chosen you on purpose 
for a purpose, and there is a redemption story that he wants you to be a part of. Okay? Okay, so we're not going to stay in this place. We're going to go to the next um, slide, and we're going to dig right into Scripture so I can just prove to you that what I'm saying is true. So we're going to go to Colossians 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, I have it on the screen, or you can put it on your phone. There's a lot of ways to find the Word of God now. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. We are chosen. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And wherever, whatever you do or say, do it as a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through him to God the Father. This sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, this is good. We're like, yeah. Oh, my gosh, that person makes me so angry. I'm out. Yeah, sit down. That's what we say to the kids, right? Like, the, this sounds really good, but this is really hard. Would you agree? It's hard to live this out. And when God chooses us to understand that we are chosen, this becomes a process in our lives. This becomes something that we are all continuing to walk out. This does not happen the day that you're born again. This is an ongoing life change where we become more tenderhearted, where we become merciful and kind, and we grow in our humility and our gentleness, and it doesn't all happen at once. It happens over a period of time. And oftentimes it happens because we believe and we start to believe that we are chosen. We believe we are redeemed. And then we say to the Lord, yes, God, use me. But what I want you to know is that he doesn't choose us because we're good. He doesn't choose us because um, we've done all the things right. He doesn't choose us because we're better than someone else. He simply chooses us. Why? Because he loves us. He loves you. And he loves me. And so he chooses us. And if that's all you get out of today, I'm actually okay with it. Here's why. It's hard for us to believe that. It's hard for us when life gets tough or when God calls us out to do something that scares us. It's hard for us to believe that we're chosen. It's harder for us to believe that we're chosen when we mess things up. When we say, I'm never going to do that again, and then we do. Or we say, yes, I'm going to do that, and then we say, no, never mind, not right now. It's hard to believe this. But when we do, everything changes. And I have proof of that in my own life. If you want to go to the next slide. This is my husband and I. How many of you are Wolfpack fans? Just say you are just to make me happy. Woo, go Wolfpack. <laughs> my husband and I went to college here at UNR and we met. He was a football player. I was a cheerleader and we didn't know Jesus yet. And that baby, 
helped us learn about Jesus, but I'll tell you why. We were um, incredibly lost, both of my husband and I came from divorced families. We didn't have a lot of healing from that. And there's just story after story of things that we've had to work out over the last 25 years together. But what was happening is we didn't change our lives when we had Colby, our oldest son. Rick would go to parties on Friday night and I would babysit. I would go to parties on Saturday night and Rick would babysit. And we were, we were some of the naughtiest athletes you've ever met. And so, I'm just being real. This is before Jesus. And so, we actually were going to get a divorce. And, and, I, and I don't make light of this. But we, weren't, we, we couldn't really carry on with the way we were doing it. It wasn't working. And so, my husband said, well, let's try church. And my husband was raised Catholic, and I was raised Mormon. And we just didn't want... Colby to have to endure what we had to endure. So we were, we were doing this for him. So I said, well, I don't want to go to the Catholic church because you have to memorize a lot of stuff. And I'm already having a hard time in my classes memorizing stuff. And he said, well, I don't want to go to the Mormon church. That takes the entire day on Sunday. I'm like, oh, yeah, fair enough. Okay. So he said, there's a, there's a pastor that comes to pray over our football team. And it's, a, it's some type of, like, non-denominational thing. I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Is it short? Yeah, it's short. Okay, let's go. So we go into um, University Family Fellowship. And there are several other footballs there that football players there, and we sat down, and they started singing the worship songs. And they were singing them, and I was reading them on the screen, and I just started to cry. I mean, cry. Like, are these words real? Like, does God? love me that much? Like, could I actually be forgiven as far as the East is from the West? Because, I mean, I probably fill that whole timeline with mistakes. Like, can he really erase all of it? And is better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere? Like, I've had some really rough days. We're not doing well. I just think I might need to be in his courts one day. These are songs we were singing, guys, and I gave my life to the Lord that day. And God, he... He began that redemption story in our family. He began that redemption story for my husband and I. And we received and believed that we were chosen by God. And we allowed that redemption story to start going in our lives. And so the next slide is our oldest son, Colby. And that's his new baby, Cash, and his wife, Maddie. And I want you to read this. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you. Why did the Lord choose me? Because he loves me. Why did he choose you? Because he loves you. We weren't doing anything right when God chose us. In fact, we were doing everything wrong. He chose us because he loves us, and he was keeping the oath that he had sworn. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from your oppression and from the hand of Pharaoh. So when God chooses us, he's not doing it because we earned it. He's doing it because he loves us. And this is for me, and it's for you, and it's for everybody else that doesn't yet know the love of God. There is nothing we can do to separate ourselves from the love of God. 
There's nothing he can't forgive. There's no mistake we can make that he can't redeem. He's that good. He's that good. The next slide is our son, Jason. This little boy was our, he's our youngest, and he was adopted. And I'm going to tell you something about this. When we adopted our kids, both Nebu, our son from Ethiopia, and Jason, the word chosen became something that meant so much more. We share this with our kids often. We tell them that you're chosen. And y'all, y'all they have a hard past. They have had things done to them, both of them, that should have never been done to them. And for them to believe that they are chosen and that God can redeem their story and that he will use it is the best gift we could give them. But you know what? For you sitting in this room, it's the best gift for you to believe as well. We are like Jason and Neb. We are adopted into the family of God. And when we are adopted into the family of God, we are chosen people because he loves us. So when Jason came to us, he was um, six weeks old. He had a feeding tube, possible cerebral palsy. Told, the doctors told us he wouldn't walk and he wouldn't talk. And he was now our sixth kid. So I wasn't prepared for this. And I certainly wasn't qualified. And I think there's people sitting in here today, and you know there's a call on your life. And you're telling yourself, I'm not qualified for that. If you think you're qualified, it's probably not what God's asking you to do. He qualifies the willing. When we say, yes, Lord, I will take the baby with the feeding tube, even though I'm terrified of any kind of medical emergency. You know, if you want me on your team to be your best cheerleader and to be excited about anything, I'm there. But if there's an emergency situation happening and someone's injured or there's blood or an accident, you do not want me on your team. I am terrified. I do not like it. I am not comfortable. And, and I, I don't believe why or how this became a thing except that God opened up this opportunity and our family said yes to Jason's adoption. And I'm going to tell you this. When he did it, we weren't prepared. But God's grace is enough. When we say yes to situations that are extremely difficult, that we're very uncomfortable in, and we say yes because we know that we're chosen for that, he shows up every single time. And when we chose to say yes to Jason's adoption, now that was six kids. That's a lot, y'all. Six kids is a lot. When we said yes to this, when we said yes to this, and Jason became a part of our family, we asked God for healing. We prayed for that healing. We believed God could do it. But we also said yes to God knowing that he might not heal Jason medically, but his grace would still be enough. And so when I say that, I'm saying it because you don't always get to know the outcome of the redemption story. And in this case, praise God, he did the miraculous. He healed our son. He plays football. He is, he's a survivor. It's an incredible testimony. I could sit and tell you about it for hours and days. But listen, it's not because Rick and I are good. It's because God is that good. If Rick and I were that good, we would walk around every NICU, pray healing over every baby, and every baby would get out of there and have a family. We're not that good, but God is that good. And he has redemption stories that he wants to write. And if you and I are not willing to say yes, 
because we don't know the outcome, then we don't get to be a part of these miraculous redemption stories. Amen? Okay, so the next slide is our entire family. This is all of our people. This is what God has done, not because we deserved it, but because he loves us. And this scripture is right before the one we landed on today. This is in 315. So before we're chosen, this is what it says. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. In order for us to believe we're chosen, we have to understand it's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He rises us. He raises us to new life. He sets your sights on the realities of heaven. That's where our hope is where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is in your life, is revealed to the whole world, then you get to share in that glory. And that's all I'm doing today. I'm just standing up here sharing with you God's glory of what he's done because we've believed he chose us for this. And he's chose each of you for something too. And some of you are walking in it, and I, I, you're, you could be up here sharing the same thing. But I want to tell you about our other adoption story. Because remember the little girl that was me? Not really me, but the picture of the little girl at the volleyball court where she felt um, not chosen? I want to encourage you with this. Even though... We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And even though we believe God's love, there are times that we're still going to feel like we're not chosen. And I have a perfect example of this. If you can go to the next slide. This is our son, Nebiu. Um, He's adopted from Ethiopia. He came to us at the age of 12. My husband had gone on a mission trip to Ethiopia, and he had brought home a photo book of every kid in the orphanage. And he said, can we pray over each of these children? That's the commitment I made. And I said, of course, and we began to pray over the kids. And we got to the picture of Nebiu, and he said, you know, my heart really breaks for Nebiu. He's almost 12 years old. The adoption age for um, international adoption in Ethiopia is 13. If they're over 13, they cannot be adopted. So he said he's kind of lost all hope of being adopted. He's watched the orphanage fill up and empty out because um, everybody wants the younger kids. And I began to lose sleep because our oldest biological son, Colby, was the same age as Neb at the time. And so we were praying for Neb when we were praying for Neb. And then one night, I was looking up at a picture frame in my house of me and my three sons. And it said, mothers of sons believe in who they will become. And I had a vision of Nebu in that picture frame. And I'm like, why Am I continuing to pray for something that I could actually do? Why can't this be our yes? Why can't we be Nebu's parents? And I woke up Neb, or I woke up Rick, and I said, Rick, I think we're supposed to adopt Nebu. And he sat up. I had always told him the game was over. We had way too many kids, okay? I was, like, tired. And he said, I was like, no more kids. And, um... I woke him up, and I told him, I said, I think we're supposed to adopt Neb. And he said, Wendy, please start the paperwork tomorrow. I would have never asked. I thought the game really was over. But if it's not, I'm all in. Start it tomorrow. And that's our adoption story with Neb. You guys, we weren't qualified. 
We hadn't even known anyone who'd done an international adoption. We didn't have the finances to do an international adoption. We didn't know any. I'd never even been to Africa. And Nebu didn't speak English. So we brought Nebu home a year and a half later, and we had an incredible journey together. Not all roses, lots of hard things, but this is what happened. Nebu believed he was chosen. He was so happy when we came to pick him up. He immediately bonded with our kids. We were a happy family of eight. Everything was going well. But again, even though we know we're chosen, triggers and things happen where we immediately feel like maybe we're not. And so Nebu at one point was, he was... 14, so he was, you know, becoming a teenage boy and, you know, testing his boundaries, especially with me a little bit. And he had, I had corrected him about something on his cell phone, and he did like that, like nudged me with his um, shoulder. And, you know, he was bigger than me already at the time. And I was like, oh my God, well, my husband saw it. My husband saw him nudge me. And then I was like, oh shoot, your dad saw, (laughs) like, you're going to get corrected by dad now. And so my husband, he reached out. My husband said, oh, no, no, we do not. And before my husband could finish the sentence, he had reached out to, to pull Neb close to look at him in his eyes. And Neb, Neb ran. Literally, he was in his boxers, no clothes, no shirt, no shoes, no sh- nothing, boxers. 14-year-old boy, Ethiopian boy, running through town, not stopping for anybody, on the busy streets, through stoplights. Can you imagine? Almost five miles and never stopped. And I said, Rick, what did you do? He said, well, no, I I was going to explain to him, we do not do that. You don't do that to my wife. I said, honey, that's nice, but he's gone. And and he said, he'll come back. I thought, I don't think he's coming back. 20 minutes later, he'll come back. No, babe, he's not coming back. Like, now we need to call for help. Like, he's not coming back. So, Nebu ran, and he hid in our friend's backyard in some bushes. And um, at that point, we had everybody looking for him. But he ended up seeing her daughter in the window, and he's waving upstairs. She's like, what are you doing? The whole family's looking for you. He's like, bring me clothes. I need, I need clothes. And so we ended up getting to, to go back, to go and sit with our friends. And they helped. They told Neb, like, we just got to talk it through. But what happened was Neb knew we chose him. Neb knew we loved him. But Neb didn't know in that moment what was going to happen next, and he was terrified. He was so afraid that he took off running, and he hid from the two people that rescued him. How many times do we do that to the Lord? How many times does the Lord call us to something, and we take off running? Because it's just too expensive or it's too much of a sacrifice, or it's too scary, or we just don't know what's going to happen next. And we hide like Neb. You know, we can be saved, we can be born again, we can believe God, and we can still be terrified. And in those moments, that's when God's promises have to ring true. That's when we have to look at Colossians and know he chose us because he loves us. If he perfectly loves us, he is with us and he is for us. We don't have to hide. And so when we got to work this out as a family, 
everything began to change, even for our kids, for us. We began to believe God had chosen us. Neb began to believe God that he was chosen. I'm going to read this to you. God speaks what is true over us. His plan of redemption is on the march because he has called every single one of us by name. My family isn't any more special than anyone else. God so perfectly loves us and so perfectly loves you. Our choices will never derail us. If that is true, if our choices derail us, if our choices cancel out God's call in our life, I would not be here. I would not have children. I would not still be married. What we see when we look in the mirror doesn't determine what he sees. Our circumstances do not determine what God can do and will do. Our brokenness will never alter God's plan. He uses our brokenness. He uses our message, and he allows us to then share our message that always points back to his goodness and his faithfulness. Our value is assigned by the one who chose us and who calls us his sons and his daughters, always. This is the truth about every single believer, every single follower. We all have a not-so-good before. Every single one of us has a not-so-good before. But the good news is every follower of Jesus also has a redemptive after. And we are just now walking in that. We are all just now walking in that. If you're still here, there's still a reason. If you're still here, there's still purpose. God isn't done. And so I'm going to take you back to um, slide 11. That's Jason's adoption. So that's Jason. That's how we met Jason. That's when God called us to adopt Jason. And I want to tell you what happened. At the time, we already had five kids. Nebu was new in our home. And Rick and I actually had decided we weren't going to do this. We had decided that it was too much for us. And I had decided I don't want to do a feeding tube. And we sat down with our five kids. And we said, the county has asked us to bring Nebu home or to bring Jason home. And we know that it's too much. We know that it would cause you guys to not be able to do competitive soccer for a season. We know that we can't go anywhere because if anyone were to babysit him, it would have to be a nurse. We, know, we just know it's too much. We had this conversation for about 15 minutes with our kids, and then we said, what, what is your input? And they said, oh, no, no. We don't think it's too much. We think we're supposed to, to bring him home. Every single one of them, all five of them, that's childlike faith. And sometimes we just need to go back to that place and believe God for the unbelievable. 
We need to go back to that place, and we need to believe that he's chose us for redemptive stories and to play our part in it. We need to get back on the volleyball court. We need to be a part of his redemption story. We need to say, yes, Lord, even though we do not know the outcome. And, you know, I feel like there's some of you in here that have a a call on your life, and you actually already know what it is. You actually know the family you're supposed to be pouring into. You actually know where you're supposed to be going. You actually know the job you're supposed to say yes to. And you're afraid, like Nebu. It triggers something. You believe God loves you, but you don't necessarily trust the redemption part of the story. And I just want to encourage you today, say yes, Lord. Say yes, Lord. Send me wherever that is, whatever it looks like. If you hear him, if you know he's laid this on your heart, don't wait any longer. Don't run and hide. Surrender it. Let him work it out. Don't think 10 steps ahead either because that's really going to keep you hidden. One day, his grace is sufficient for each day, right? So just say yes today and let him work it out in his timing. Just say yes today and trust his timing. So I'm going to bring up slide 10. It's Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Um, in this, in Isaiah 6 through 8, I, this hits home because this is kind of wrapping it back to our testimony of even me understanding God's love for me. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty serpium, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with this glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. The one of the serpion flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, and he touched my lips with it. And he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Before he ever said, here I am, send me, you have to understand that he had a vision of God's glory. The testimony of our salvation, the testimony of somebody else's salvation, the redemption stories of Jason and Nebu, you have to understand, that's the glory of God. That's not Rick and Wendy. That's seeing a vision of the glory of God and what he can do. The touch of grace that touched his lips. Man, y'all, this was me. I am a sinful woman. I have filthy lips and I live among the people with filthy lips. Like, this was me when I first came to know the Lord. Filthy. Filthy. But his grace is enough. And then now I get to invite you to life on mission. Now I get to say to you, hey, like really, practically, does anyone want to go to Uganda? We're having a meeting after this. 
How crazy is that? How crazy that God would redeem a college football player and a college cheerleader who were probably, really, probably the worst reputations on campus. Everyone knew us, but it wasn't the way you'd want them to know you. (laughs) How is it that God would choose us to go and now say, here I am, Lord, send me. And then I get to say, hey, guys, how about you all come too? Let's go together. He wants to do that in your life as well. We've seen him over and over take his chosen people and do miracles. And I want you to know, if you're in here, you're one of those people. So we're going to get ready to close. We're going to go to um, Colossians again where we started. And we're going to read through this because I want you to be encouraged with the fact that we're chosen because he loves us and that the working out of our salvation is a process. We're not always going to be compassionate and kind and humble and gentle, but we're working toward that. And you're not disqualified because your life doesn't look exactly like this. Let's read this again together. Since God chose you to be the holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy. Kindness humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. We could stop right there. There's people in here right now. There's somebody that God has put on your heart to forgive and you haven't done it yet. He's reminding us we're called to forgiveness because we too need to be forgiven. When we believe we're chosen, we also believe we're forgiven. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Just that peace in our hearts Guys, one of the things that is the hardest to see in raising up this next generation and having all of our kids is anxiety is like, we talk about anxiety and like stress and all these things. We talk about it like it's normal. In Christ, that's not normal. In Christ, there's peace in our hearts. We can be nervous about something. We can even be scared about something. But the peace of God is different. It's different for us. It's different for our kids. And so even right now, if you're in here today and you're like, man, I'm constantly anxious, I would ask you the question, do you believe God loves you? Do you believe you're chosen by God? Because maybe there's a little bit of unbelief there and that's why you have that anxiety. He wants us to live in harmony. For as members of one body, you're called to live in this peace and always be thankful. Sometimes we're looking in the rearview mirror at our past and we're unable to be thankful. We're mad, we're angry, we've been hurt and we don't live in gratitude. 
fill your lives, teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, which is what we got to do together today. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representation of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him. So I think there's, there's three groups of people in here today, and I'm in one of them. So we are here together. Some of us are waiting on the sideline of the volleyball court, and it's time to join the game. It's time, it's time to believe you're on team, Jesus. It's time to just say, yes, Lord, I'm all in, and trust him for what that looks like. Some of you, you already know you're chosen, but you're still living in the past. You look in your rearview mirror, and, and every time you do it, you're not trusting the grace of God has covered all that stuff. You're fully forgiven. You need to know that today. You are fully forgiven. If you've received Jesus Christ, the blood washes away every single mistake, every mess, every sin is washed away in Jesus' name. Do you understand that? Fully forgiven. And when you believe that, you're gonna get on the volleyball court. You're going to get in the game for Jesus when you really believe that. And lastly, what about those of us who know God has more? You know it. Give it a shot in faith between you and the Lord as we pray, yes, Lord, send me. That doesn't mean you're going to Uganda. That might mean you're going across the street to your neighbor. That might mean you're gonna share your faith with your brother-in-law who you haven't spoken to in three years. You're gonna call him and you're gonna say, I forgive you. Will you forgive me? Being on mission for Jesus and saying, yes, Lord, send me, doesn't mean Africa for everybody. In fact, a lot of people will never go. You are in mission right here in Reno, Nevada. You are on Team Jesus right here in Reno, Nevada. Suit up, get ready, get in the game, and trust that you are chosen by God, and he has a purpose for your redemption story, and he will use it for somebody else's redemption. Amen? All right. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to combochurch.com and simply click the give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.